We are so excited to announce that we have opened the doors to our private membership community, the Symposium. Inside the Symposium, you have access to all of our free and paid content, daily prompts to pull to, live monthly workshops, reading room Zooms, and monthly virtual meetups. We also host monthly challenges and have a lively and engaged community, as well as tarot spread and resource libraries. The Symposium is an incredible community of like-minded folks who value the intersection of tarot, mental health, self-reflection, and personal growth. We're really excited to meet you all inside the symposium. So head over to the tarotdiagnosis.com and click join the symposium today to become a part of our community. You're listening to the Tarot Diagnosis. We're your hosts. I'm Luna. And I'm Shannon. We're both clinical psychotherapists who trained together at Johns Hopkins. Now we are both in private practice in Tampa, Florida, and in Baltimore, Maryland. We also both happen to have a love for tarot. Each episode, we work to demystify the tarot and explore its connections to mental and emotional health. While this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is not meant to take the place of psychotherapy. Join us while we pull cards to better understand ourselves and those around us. Hi, Shannon. Hey, Luna. So today we've got a fun topic. We decided (laughs) that we would talk about um, the idea that I call dumpster fire, when everything just suddenly becomes a disaster. And I mean, I think that we like the phrase dumpster fire. And so that's why we're talking about it. But really, we're also talking essentially about the tower card and how to handle from a mental health perspective, how to handle those moments when everything just falls apart. Yeah, I love that. Well, and I love that you said when everything just falls apart, because when you and I were talking about this a moment ago, when we decided that, you know, we were going to have this conversation today, I immediately thought of Pema Chodron, Mm. you know, the Buddhist teacher that we both admire. She actually has a book called When Things Fall Apart, which, you know, I know you and I both highly recommend. I tend to keep it handy all the time. (laughs) Um, But, you know, she she talks a lot about the inevitability of things falling apart and i think mm. that's probably you know what we're going to talk about today because it's it's unavoidable and sometimes we try to avoid it because it's uncomfortable um and that's something that pemin children talks about too is you know when we uh, it, our problems kind of exist when we refuse to acknowledge and accept the reality of um the inevitability of dumpster fire season mm-hmm. um because it it is something that is a part of life and is constantly up and flowing. And, um, you know, Pema Chodron tends to say when things come, uh, you know, things come together, they inevitably fall apart. They come together, Mm -hmm. they fall apart. So it's this constant kind of back and forth, ebb and flow. And, you know, I, this episode was inspired because, you know, I think you kind of feel like you're in dumpster fire season. (laughs) And, um, I don't know if I feel like I'm in dumpster fire season, but I feel like I'm in a season where it's like, oh my gosh, there's so many things happening and so many big changes. And it's just, how do you find solid ground? And when you think about the tower card, the tower card is all about the foundation and this structure, um, starting to fall apart. And it's so uncomfortable when you feel like the thing that's supposed to be very strong and exist as like a pillar in your life is crumbling. So well said. I mean, like there was uh, so much that you just offered there that I'm like, where do I want to pick up? I think I want to pick up actually on 
I, th- I think it would be fun actually to pull a card. Uh, but I think I want to start with just picking up on the idea of before tower moments and after tower moments. And I think that we kind of maybe mm-hmm. want to define that because yeah. I think that the tower card is one that a lot of people sort of get a little nervous energy around, totally. right? And like, you don't want to pull it because we think of it almost as like, um, like something bad is going to happen. And this is so deeply linked to the concept of anxiety, which we all experience as humans, we have the ability to think about the future. And what we inevitably do is worry about the future. And I think people Mm -hmm. are more scared of tower moments as sort of a potential in the future than the reality of what happens in a tower moment. And I think that that's an important part of being a human is realizing I can handle a tower moment, but the anxiety of the potential of a tower moment that I have a hard time handling. So true. Are you ready to pull a card? I am. What deck are you using? I decide to pull from Tarot of the Abyss because I just, oh. it's actually not at all a dark <laughs> deck. Um, I've already pulled out the Tower card and it's, I probably will talk about it. It's not a dark deck, but it seemed appropriate. How about you? It does seem appropriate. Yeah. Um, I'm still sticking with Tarot Vintage. Yay. <laughs> yes. This is interesting to pull a card kind of about a card. I don't do that. Yeah. Very well. I mean, I guess I pull clarifiers, but right. kind of interesting to see where this is going to guide us is really what I need yeah. to know as I think about this conversation or what do I need to be advised of as we talk about the tower. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as, as always, as I've been doing lately, I pulled um, a few cards to guide the session before, and then I tend to just kind of pull blindly like right now. And it's, it's interesting looking at the cards I pulled to guide the episode because I'm like, Oh, I I think I'm thinking about them totally differently. Um, because we're pulling based on like kind of like a card tower moment. So I'm actually really excited about how the conversation kind of unfolds today because we are doing it slightly differently than usual, but Mm -hmm. not at the same time. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. So interesting. So what did you pull? Um, I pulled the full reversed. Oh (laughs) yeah. What did you pull? I mean, it's actually funny. I I pulled the hanged one, which is like the hand oh. hanged man. And in this deck, it did it the way that I really love it when they do it, when it, the drawing is upside down. So you look at the card and automatically you're like, wait, is this reverse? Oh, wait, what's going on? Um, mm. And so I kind of love that you pulled full reverse because it does feel like this real sensation of being upside down yeah. and not understanding what the hell is going on. Yeah, because the the full reverse is all about, um, you know, maybe not spending enough time thinking about the situation, maybe being a bit impulsive and not taking enough time to plan accordingly. And I know the full itself, like upright is, you know, having, being able to um, take risks and and go out on this really like exciting unknown journey. Um, but I think when you are looking at the full upright, you're taking risks, but maybe they're slightly calculated. Like, you know, you're about to go do this thing. Whereas I think the full reversed is no, you're just diving in. And when we look at it next to like the tower card, there's some, I have a million things I want to say, but I also want to talk about one of the cards I pulled to guide the episode was the Ace of Wands reverse. So two reverse cards I want to talk about. Um, But I think the full reversed is interesting because it's almost like 
you well, you see him upside down and you also see these people falling out of the tower kind of like flailing about and I'm kind of wondering okay this is making me think of how why the tower is so triggering in the first place because it's a this visual reminder of how fragile I think we all really are and how easy it is for things to maybe suddenly implode <laughs> um regardless of whether we are maybe being impulsive about a decision or kind of carefully calculating how we're going to move forward. I'm really digging this full reverse. Like, yeah, I I really am. Um, Like you said something a second ago that got me thinking about the idea of the fool. And I think that one way of looking at the fool upright, it it has to do with this concept that you talk about a lot of radical acceptance. Mm -hmm. And I think that to be on the fool's journey in the most healthy version looks like saying, okay, I understand that I don't know what's around the corner. I accept the Mm -hmm. fact that this cliff is very steep. I accept that there are risks. I understand that I don't know what's coming my way. And I enter into this pathway joyfully and with curiosity and a sense of play. That's healthy Mm -hmm. living, sort of saying life is going to be hard, but okay, I understand that I'm not going to try to force it. If we look at that full reversed, one way of looking at that is I am not going to accept that I don't have much control. I'm going to cling to Mm -hmm. trying to be in control or understanding like what's going on all the time. And I'm going to become really rigid. And that is really, I mean, it's, uh, it's funny because like, as you said, this episode is inspired in large part by my own personal dumpster fire, which I don't want to get into too much, but does involve an elderly parent having a hard time. And this is one of the things that we're seeing is this real rigidity around control and how that rigidity is becoming such a problem. It's mm, so true. And it's interesting because, you know, looking at one of the cards that I originally pulled to guide the episode was the Ace of Wands reversed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think I want to talk about that card. I don't want to move too far because I want you to talk about the the hanged one, but that's very in alignment with what you're saying. Cause I'm looking at this yeah. Ace of Wands reversed and thinking about, okay, what level of personal responsibility do you have that maybe you've ignored? And, and I'll get mm-hmm. more into that in a minute, but I want to hear what you have to say about the hanged one. I definitely want to hear more about what you were just about to say, because it's really interesting. I mean, I think that the hanged one, though, is exactly the opposite. It's sort of like the antidote for the reversed fool. If once Mm -hmm. we become sort of rigid or not willing to engage with the fact that life is filled with unseen challenges, we can't get to this place of being able to say, let me have flexibility in my thinking. Let me be willing to look at something from a different angle, you know, like, okay, so you always planned X, Y, and Z, or you always thought that it was going to be this certain way. And suddenly it's not suddenly the lightning strikes and everything falls apart. Okay. That is a disaster and deserves grief over what is lost. But what really was lost is what already exists, but also the idea of what could exist. But that doesn't mean that nothing can exist. And I think that that's why the hanged one is helpful. The hanged one lets us say what might exist that's different than what I thought of before. And that's where a lot of people get stuck in this rigidity of I lost this thing, therefore I have lost everything. 
Right. Yeah. And I, I love the way you're talking about rigidity right now, because I think a lot of times when we're experiencing like dumpster fire season, a lot of times it is based on how we are viewing what's happening, what our kind of internal mental and emotional landscape um, looks like, like kind of what we're um, watering, what thoughts we're yes. watering. I, t- I, lo- I always use garden metaphors <laughs> um, versus, you know, what areas we're neglecting. And I kind of want to talk about the Ace of Wands reversed and Pem and Children together now, because, you know, I think Pem and Children talks a lot about that also that radical acceptance that you brought up earlier and needing to, you know, accept one, the role that we play in dumpster fire season and accepting that, you know, when it happens, as much control as we want to have over it, sometimes we do have to release this hold or this grasp we have over a situation or the way we're thinking about a situation. And I guess I want to be a little gentle there because I'm not suggesting like, you know, when things fall apart, you know, and we experience that pain or loss of something that's really difficult. It's not that we should be robotic and think like, oh, well, this is life, whatever, because that level of disconnection isn't helpful either. You know, I think going back to what you were saying too, accepting and acknowledging the fact that dumpster fire season is always going to kind of come around <laughs> kind of like the actual seasons um, and saying like when it comes, when and if, because it, it will come, um, it's going to be painful and it's going to be stressful, but I'm going to manage it the best way I can. And I love that you use the word antidote a minute ago, because I think that we can look at, you know, whatever card we pull. And I love that you were talking about the hanged one as the antidote for the full reversed, because I was also thinking about the pages in general as the antidote to dumpster fire season in the tower. Um, because I just tend to view pages as like very curious cards. And, you know, I think that when we get stuck in our own mindset and the way we want things to be, or the way we think things should be, or the way we think that things are, cause they might not right. actually be right. <laughs> the way we think things are, we're not expressing curiosity. We're not saying, well, what's happening over here? What's happening, um, you know, with my thinking over the, what happens if I think this way, what happens if I do this and not what if in an anxiety sense, but what if in a curious sense, um, then it becomes a little bit easier for, for us to manage. And that ace of wands reversed is really interesting actually if you look at it next to the tower because the tower's on fire and the ace of wands is this like fire element and represents that that fiery passion and also like kind of some clarity and, and just like a sense of conviction um and that goes back to what i was saying a second ago about how can i think of these situations slightly differently in what ways have i maybe contributed or created some of this mess you know which of mm-hmm. these fires in this building, do I need to be held accountable? And how can I, how can I learn from this so that I don't create the same exact fire during the next dumpster fire season, I guess. (laughs) You don't want to bring the lighter to the next place. Right. (laughs) I mean, I think that once again, we have stumbled into an area of saying like, oh my goodness, this was an interesting door to walk through. And now I realize how huge this area is Mm. because there's so many ways to think about. I'm just sort of thinking about anyone who's listening to this and what in their mind they think the tower could be 
or what yeah. the dumpster fire season could be. And I, I think it's important to notice that there's a huge amount of diversity there. You know, I kind of want to put like, like a, an actual literal death of somebody mm. who you deeply love, particularly if it's sudden. I mean, that's a pretty extreme and awful tower yeah. moment that, you know, like you're not responsible for clearly, right? you know, and needs to be handled really as grief. Like the word grief keeps like ringing around in my head. I'm looking at six of swords here and I think I'm going to talk about it in a second, but it's sort of allowing that in some cases the tower is really just tragedy. And in some cases, the tower is somebody screwed up. Mm. And like, I mean, like, okay, the lightning struck, but like, was there a lightning rod on the building? Or like, who left the hay bale on the top mm. of the roof? You know, like, right. and looking at the idea of maybe I have some personal accountability, that can be pretty ouchy. Yeah. And I think I do want to land on this six of swords of kind of saying that there is this after piece. Again, I kind of want to mention this like anticipation of the tower. That's anxiety. When we're on the other side of it, the tower moment has happened and we have to move on with our life, understanding that we need to look at it, learn from it and grieve, even if it's what we're grieving is our own mistake. I love that what you're talking about right now in terms of grief and um, just that last line that you said, grieving your own mistake, because, you know, I think an important part of any sort of dumpster fire season is what are we learning about ourselves? Yes. You know, I think it's so easy to just flail and fall and then just lay there um, still and, and be paralyzed. Um, and of course, sometimes when tr there's something very traumatic that happens, that is yeah. <laughs> an outcome, <laughs> um, but that's why there's therapy and that's why there are medical professionals. But, you know, when, when, you know, something tower moment E happens, there are moments of saying, okay, how can, what can I take away from this? What have I learned about the world around me? And how am I disconnected from myself? How am I disconnected from, from the world or anyone else who's involved in this situation? And how can I reconnect in a way that, that feels safe and that feels healthy? And are you looking around and asking for help? Are you, are you planning a safer spot to land when you do inevitably fall? Um, are you, are you navigating these flames with intention and compassion or are you just kind of aimlessly trying to run away from them because it's just too hot? The flames are putting off too much heat and you just don't even have the ability to think about where you might be able to escape to somewhere safe. And it's hard to, to do all this when you're in the dumpster fire moment. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, an analogy that I tend to give to people is, you know, if you were to jump out of an airplane, you would have and you were skydiving or, or whatever, you would have gone through some sort of training. You would have received the protocol and you would have, you would have practiced, you would have had, you know, dry runs. It's the same thing when you're preparing for ways to cope with and experience difficult times in your life. You have to implement and practice these coping skills and ways of experiencing connection with yourself and those around you when you're not in dumpster fire season so that when you are, you feel supported and you don't feel as lost and you don't feel as disconnected or in a state of danger all the time. 
know it's so interesting it's like i'm really thinking about the pre-tower moment right now and the idea of anxiety and i'm noticing how mm. much of what you're talking about has to do with identity mm. and how much of either a fear of the tower moment or the tower moment coming and hitting particularly hard, how much of it might really be linked with an, an identity that probably is like a little over-identified in one way or another. So like, I mean, I've, several of my clients, a number of my clients are like semi-serious athletes. And when they have an, an, an injury, which they do, depending on how that person's self-concept is, it can be really, really hard, mm. you know, and like truth because they're in pain and truth because the, the exercise helps with mental health. We know that, but also because now I'm not who I thought I was. Oh yeah. And I think that that's a major problem with a lot of these tower moments is, but I, I thought that I was this. I thought my life was this. I thought that this is how I could think of myself. And if something happens and a piece of that is removed, I don't know how to think about myself. And this is really what the tower can teach us is that once you've had parts of your identity stripped away, mm. it gives you an opportunity to really get clean on who am I fundamentally. I mean, I'll say that previous tower moments in my life because, you know, I'm at an age where now I've had a, a good number of them. <laughs> I, I mean, they have shaped me in ways that I wouldn't have wanted yeah. to learn those lessons, but I'm glad for the lessons I learned. Exactly. Oh, I, what you're saying right now, I've, I keep like playing the words like self-defeat mm. over in my head because I think it's so easy to feel defeated in these moments. And I'm thinking about the devil card because oh, yeah. there's, there's so much literature out there that talks about like, kind of like the importance of the proximity of the tower card to the devil card. Mm -hmm. Um, and some even suggest that the tower could represent like literal hell because it's so close to the devil. And, mm -hmm. you know, it kind of makes sense. And, you know, I don't think I guess the way we're talking about it, we're not talking about hell in a literal or biblical sense, but you know, the devil card does traditionally represent these, you know, moments of maybe unhealthy behavior or self-defeat. And I think it's so easy for when a tower moment happens to stay stuck in that I've been defeated and now it's done. It's over. And that's that all or nothing thinking. Yes. And you talking about working with athletes. Um, I see that a lot with people and oh gosh, so many clients where it's like, Oh, this thing happened. Everything's over. My life is over. I might as well just give up. And whatever existence I have now is whatever I have. And you know, when, when we're existing in that space, Ooh, the, like the world around us can become very dark and very dangerous very quickly. And, you know, if we don't have support or we don't have some sort of like resilient factor that we can grab and hold on to, we can stay stuck down there for quite a long time. So interesting. If you think about it, we could sort of make the argument that the tower represents our ego or our self-concept. Oh. And we sort of need to have as part of our human yeah. journeys, we need to have our ego or our self-concept just kind of burnt down every once in a while <laughs> so that we can recreate or get more clean because so many of us do build this idea. I sort of grabbed um, four of pentacles and this idea, like oh, yeah. every time I look at four of pentacles, the word that comes into my head is grabby. Mm -hmm. It's just like 
this idea of like clinging to, no, this is mine. This is mine. This is what I've got, but you can't move. Like this guy is sitting here with like a stupid pentacle on his head and in his lap and his two feet are planted. Like I got my things. I'm not moving. I got my things. He's not living, but he's got his things. How many people are tied to this tower of self, but is actually keeping them stuck exactly where they are? And maybe, Ooh, this is going to be fun. Um, I went and I pulled, um, some tower cards from multiple decks beforehand, just to kind of, cause I, you know, different decks do it in different way. And the intuitive night goddess deck, I think it's one of my very favorite tower cards because it doesn't say tower. It has a picture of a woman who is holding a flag and there's a picture on the flag that looks like it's being projected on it of a, a building being burned. It feels very sort of French revolution to me. And the title of the card is revolution. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's a really interesting, not only, but interesting way to think about the tower is, is this a, you know, a Bastille day of coming in and saying, this isn't working anymore and we're going to upend it. I like that way of thinking about it. It's not always true, but it's an interesting way of thinking of it. This is, I'm so excited right now. This is really (laughs) exciting for me. I love this conversation. Um, I love that you compared the ego to the tower because I immediately thought of the concept of ego death. And, you know, if you're not super familiar with the concept of an ego death, it's basically when you, when you're, sense of identity is gone. You might, might hear, you know, in the Jungian world, psychic death, um, ego, ego loss or ego death is also talked about, um, with people who engage in psychedelics. And I think, I think Joseph Campbell talks about it too. Um, Mm -hmm. and and it uses a different word or a different phrase, but I'm just like super nerding out about that tower card and comparing it to an ego death because it kind of, transitions into a card that I pulled earlier to guide the episode, which is a strength card, which Mm. I don't, I don't typically, the strength card is really boring to me. I'm not super excited about it, but (laughs) now I'm kind of excited about it because I feel like I can talk about it in a more like maybe nerdy and abstract way Um, because (laughs) I feel like it could represent this, like this resilience and, and rebuilding in a way like that you were talking about with the ego. And, you know, for talking about an ego death, you know, the strength card is almost necessary because you have to be willing to say, okay, well now who do I want to be or who can I become? Or what is this added component of my narrative now that I've experienced this, this tower moment. Mm. And, you know, when you look at the strength card, I feel like it's so easy to be like, oh, like, let's talk about strength in terms of like how it's portrayed in the stories and in the movies. And it's just like kind of cheesy, just glorified experience that I don't know, it just rubs me the wrong way. Um, But, you know, if you look at the lion and this person in in the traditional images, you know, you've got this, you know, big lion and and this person with their hand almost like kind of opening their their mouth Mm -hmm. in a way. And we always think of the person who is putting their hand near the lion's mouth as being the person who's exhibiting some sort of strength. But what if strength is actually us as the lion and being willing to be so uncomfortable and release this kind of primal urge or instinct to 
bite or rip off this person's hand as they're trying to pry open our mouth. And it kind of reminds me of going to the dentist. Um, <laughs> I, you know, like that's the, I hate it. Hate it's it. the worst experience. The worst. You know, I don't want, it's, goes against all of like, I feel like our human instincts to let someone stick all these like cold, sharp instruments in our mouth. And, um, you know, we know that we're going to feel better afterwards, but you know, we have to like acknowledge that it's going to be uncomfortable. We have to go through this process and we have to release that control and release this idea that we've been holding on to that isn't particularly helpful. Like the, the dentist is going to hurt us or whatever. Um, and like, just allow the thing to happen. So I don't know, like I, you talking about ego death and now I'm looking at the strength card and I'm like, wait, maybe we're looking at the strength card wrong. So interesting. So. I'm totally loving the way you just talked about that. And you know, I, uh, let's see how clever I can be. Cause like, I think that there's something really interesting here. What you're talking about. I mean, in a way we could argue that there's two types of strengths being shown oh, yeah. on this card, right? So totally. there's the strength of the lion in having a willingness to do something dentistry like, you know, so there's this sort of like almost anticipation or willingness to be in a tower moment, which I mean, I don't know about you, but like (laughs) me sitting in the dentist chair definitely feels like a tower moment. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't (laughs) do well. Um, (laughs) But then the other one is this woman, like the thing I always notice in this card that I always want to talk about in this card is the infinity sign over her head. And I think that we could sort of see the the lion as the anticipation or in the moment. And the Mm -hmm. woman seems to me to represent the, um, the evolved self that comes from having already gone through that moment and getting Mm. to that place of that infinity sign of your head, realizing I am not, I am not my teeth. I am not my house. I am not my relationship. Mm -hmm. I am not my job. I am I. And understanding that almost requires these revolutions of self and these ego deaths to really get to kind of just allowing yourself to be. I, it's so funny that, you know, as we, (laughs) I feel like this conversation, as much as it's about the tower and dumpster fire season is also very much about just human strength and resilience. And what a, I'm so glad the strength card showed up now. And this conversation is kind of reminding me of conversations. I feel like we've had recently, especially about um, fear of failure or like perfectionism and this like false sense of security that they tend to give us because we cannot grow. We cannot evolve. Um, you know, we can't have that exciting post ego death experience without, um, having these tower moments because then, you know, if we don't have these tower moments or these dumpster fire seasons, like we have zero frame of reference for what it means to live or exist. Yes. Well, because before that, we are absolutely in seven of cups. It's all just in our head about what, how things are, how things should be, like how I am going Mm -hmm. to be. And it's all just fantasy. It's just this made up thing. We really need to say, oh, the world is actually like this, or it can be like this. And I can be, again, going back to that hanged man thing, I could be different. And that, um, intellectually, we understand it, but the lived experience is very, very different. It's 
so true. And, you know, I'm kind of curious about your thoughts on one of the cards I pulled, and this is a card that you and I talk about. We've had a few heavy conversations on, um, one of the cards I pulled to guide today was the judgment card. Um, I know. And I'm like, "Mm, how, I feel like there's a few things, (laughs) (laughs) But I, I kind of want to defer to you on this one. Like, what do you, what are you thinking about in terms of how this card shows up for this conversation? Hmm. I mean, that's so interesting. It really is. And um, we have had some big conversations about it recently. Um, and it's interesting. I've pulled this card several times recently for my daughter. So like, it's very much in my mind. She never lets me pull, but recently she's been letting me pull a card for her and this has been her card. I think that... This card for me, I really like the classic image of it um, because you guys know like Bible stuff doesn't bug me. It doesn't trigger me. I just think it's interesting. I know it triggers people and I apologize to those who it does. But I like this idea of there is a higher calling, that there is a sense of who I am that's underneath. It's very much in alignment with what we were just talking about. The I am is not my job, not my house, not my career, not any of those. There's something fundamental. And that is sort of what, um, it's like the voice behind the voice that can be our intuition or can be our guides or however you want to think about it that can really guide us through the world. And I think that the tower moment can help us find that inner voice of, okay, that all went away. And now I have to listen deeply in terms of who is it that I actually am and how am I going to show up in the world? And do I want to rebuild who I was because it is who I am and I just need to fight harder for it? Or do I need to really change my self-concept? And I think that what we discover is that when we change our self-concept based on that calling, however you want to think about it, a a spirit guide, the divine connection to the collective subconscious, however you want to think about it, that pull of, of intuition can really guide us. I love the way you're, you're talking about this card. And I knew that you'd have something like really good to say. That's why I was like, I want to hear what Luna has to say first. (laughs) (laughs) I I love hearing you talk about um, judgment and justice because they're two cards that I I personally just really struggle with a lot. Mm -hmm. So um, I just love how effortless it it is for you to talk about these two. And I don't know if it's effortless. (laughs) <laughs> well, it, it appears to be, That's nice. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm looking at the traditional image as well. And, you know, I, I also, I, I tend to take a, a less, um, even though it's a traditional image and has some religious undertones, I don't tend to view it that way. I'm looking at it as, you know, I go back to what we were talking about earlier with, um, needing to acknowledge and accept what's happening, because I think the worst thing you can do is try to run away when you are having a tower moment Mm. or you're in dumpster fire season, because, you know, avoiding or ignoring, um, you know, kind of the inevitable change that's going to happen doesn't mean that it's going to go away. It's going to catch up to you eventually. (laughs) Um, and even if that, even if the fire in the dumpster eventually burns out, like you're still left with the debris, you're still left with the burnt garbage, you know, and that's still like, you know, it's messing up and littering your emotional landscape. And I feel like these people are being so vulnerable, like, like they're, they've got their arms stretched open and they're nude. And they're basically, I almost view it as here, here's all, here's the leftover from my dumpster fire. Help me figure out what to do with it. 
Like, here's all the trash. Now what? I'm, I'm acknowledging that I've gone through this. It's a part of me. What do I do with it now? It's almost like there's another part of dialectical behavior therapy um, that says, um, basically, when they're talking about like coping skills and how to manage distress tolerance, which is also kind of what we're talking yes. about. They talk about how it's important to remind yourself that like a million decisions and a million uh, experiences have led to where you are now, because sometimes we can get so caught up in this um, thought loop of, well, if only I had done this one thing, Mm -hmm. or if only I had changed this, or if only I had said that, or if only this happened, then I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, There might be some truth there, but chances are there are a million other things that you would have had to change to completely change the trajectory. Of, of your life and that other people would have had to change to change the trajectory, trajectory of your life. And I think judge, this image of this judgment card is going back to what how we opened the episode yes. with Pema Children and saying like, you know, it's this ebb and flow of life and, you know, you have to accept that things are going to come together and then fall apart. And really it's about what are you going to do with the outcome? Like, what are you going to do once you have that ego death? Like, what are you... What happens with these tower moments? Um, I actually like that there's there's water depicted in here too, mm-hmm. um, because I think you know water representing that emotional landscape and the fact that these people are in some sort of container. They don't quite look like boats. They're I think they're coffins. Squares. Oh, are they coffins? I think they're coffins. Oh, I see that. Yeah, because it's yeah. like okay, I'm going to geek out. Like it's Book of Revelations, oh and it's when the yes. it's like it's from Book of Revelations, and so these are people who have been dead for a very long time who are now um, coming forth for Judgment Day. Okay, well, and can we like circle that back to ego death? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's so cool. I'm obsessing over that now. I was so focused on the square one, but I think it was because it was a child. Um, but yeah, totally. Yeah, like, that's I why see they're that gray because they're. They, oh, they're way dead. Yeah. They're in Luna. They're <laughs> way dead. You know, it's, and I, I'm going to go back to Pema Chodron again in this like kind of ebb and flow. It reminds me of like the rise and fall of the tide. Like sometimes you're pushed back up onto solid ground and you can stand. And sometimes, yeah, maybe you're out in your coffin and uh, you're just trying to hope that maybe the tides are in your favor. Right. And at some point you're back on land again. Um, but there's a sense of like not giving up. There's a sense of waiting. And I think when you so easy to fall into really distressful, depressing uh, states of mind when, when this stuff happens and, you know, remembering that it's, this isn't permanent. A lot of these dumpster fire seasons are temporary. They're all temporary. You know, like they're only permanent if we make them permanent. If we decide to live in that always, then it's permanent. Right. But, and again, I'm trying to be respectful, like some dumpster fires are way worse than others, but we always have choice. And that goes back to, I mean, I keep thinking about that fool reversed and Mm. like what you're talking about here. God, it's so powerful. I'm looking at this card. I'm looking at these like gray naked people. The fact that they're naked, like the way you talked about that, that they're so vulnerable. Like, so it's this moment of like, oh my, like, okay, okay. Like mercy, I give up. Like, Mm -hmm. like. I can, I need to figure this out in a different way and I can do it with, with a sense of help that like my brain can do this either on its own or sort of through the help of this like angel with a horn or whatever it is for you. But my brain can do this rather than 
like that eight of swords moment of, oh, this is it. It's over. Or, oh, it has to be a certain kind of way. I also, I'm going to be super geeky here. And I, again, I apologize for going like total Bible on this one, but I just think it's interesting. Mm -hmm. And it is like what the card is like based on. In Book of Revelations, this is what happens. It's the end of times. The dead rise. They get called to heaven for judgment. Um, it is interesting that they're in in a sea or in water because what it says in Book of Revelations is that when you ascend into heaven, that there is no water. And what it means in the Bible is like the sim- it's symbolic, and it the water in the Bible is representative of turmoil, of strife, of painful human emotions. And so this image of these people who have been sort of like dead for a long time and are being called up out of the water is being released out of the the pain and suffering of all this human turmoil. But I think that that's important to point out because it comes back to Buddhism and this idea that we have to accept that being a human requires turmoil. That's the first noble truth in Buddhism is life is suffering is the way we say it here. Other parts of the world call it sort of dissatisfaction, but this is a fundamental of being a human. And when we go through the world as a reversed fool saying, no, 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 everything has to be the way I want it to be. And it's wrong for me to suffer. Boy, you, you're going to fall pretty hard. I feel like my brain's on fire. (laughs) There's like, there's so much. I I love how much information you gave about kind of the traditional, um, like religious undertones of this card. And I think I almost want to take everything that you just said and say, I'll I'll use your phrase, a yes. And, (laughs) um, because something that I talk about a lot, especially because I keep playing the word grief over and over again, because I think, uh, grief exists very, very much in this conversation because grief is a form of suffering. And that's what we're essentially talking about. We're talking about suffering and we're talking about the Buddhist principle of like, how do we exist alongside the suffering? Because that's what, you know, living is a large part of. And when I'm explaining the process of grief and what it means to quote unquote heal grief, it's not that grief goes away Mm -hmm. or that the suffering goes away. It's that our life gets bigger, which gives us this illusion that the suffering or the grief is getting smaller. And I'm looking at these people in in these coffins in the water and everything looks really close together. And when they're in their coffin, they're in this, this um, you know, tight quarters, um, they're just existing in that suffering by themselves. They're existing in the grief. There's nothing else around them. They're confined to it. And then once they open that up and they're standing with their arms, you know, open, um, kind of, you know, vulnerable, nude, like sharing, like, here, this is me, this is everything. They're now being exposed to all this water, all this landscape, Mm -hmm. all of this, Mm -hmm. everything else that is available to them now. And they're still, the grief is still there. They're still standing in their coffins. It's still a part of them, but suddenly their world is not just what's in that wooden box. They're now, they now have access to everything else that's around them. Mm -hmm. And the coffin is, is an extension of them. Now it's a part of them. It's a part of their story. Um, they don't have to ignore that. It doesn't disappear. Um, but it's not the only part of their story. Oh, wow. That was amazing. What you just did. Oh, Um, thank you. Yeah. And thank you. (laughs) Amazing. And like, 
I, I think really speaks so powerfully for why tarot is so interesting because we're talking about these re- this really difficult element of being human and we have access to these these 78 cards that when we start layering them really beautifully show what it's like to be human it's like just extraordinary to me how this is the conversation we have with just all these little you know pieces of cardboard with pictures on them amazing it's so cool and I was thinking like this is what I think episode 54 now and I feel like we of course we've pulled similar cards throughout our time doing you know this podcast but Mm -hmm based on what we're talking about and how the cards show up and how, how they show up next to other cards, the conversations and the revelations that you're able to have are like vast and infinite, which is also Mm -hmm. kind of cool because the infinity sign you see a lot throughout tarot. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think we're just kind of like out about our appreciation for (laughs) (laughs) this nifty thing. It's so amazing. I have one more card I want to talk about. Yeah, go for it. Uh, Like, I don't know, 20 minutes ago, I cut the deck and was like, let's see what I pull. And I'm actually, I think I talked about this last week too. And I don't think I've ever sort of like referenced something like this before. Last week, we did a spread. We put a spread up on Instagram that was called I Don't Wanna. And it was inspired by a dumpster fire season, um, which I'm still in, by the way. And it was about like when something happens and you're sort of called to action, almost like this judgment card of um, having this calling moment and you just don't want to. And I think I, last week I talked about the three of wands. Is that right? Do you remember? Yes, yeah. I think you did. Yeah. yeah. I, which was one of the cards I pulled. The first in that spread, the first question is, why should I? And the card I pulled when I did the spread for myself personally for why should I? And that's the way I wrote it is it to be like, not why should I? It's more why should I? It's kind of a yeah. snarky question. The first card I pulled was the sun. And that's the mm-hmm. card that I just pulled a few minutes ago when I cut the deck. And I think it's oh. really, when I pulled that card originally, it gave me chills and I was like, shut up. Like, no, I don't really don't want you to tell me that the reason why I should is essentially because this is going to make me happy. I cannot mm. understand how on earth this thing that I have to do that I don't want to do is going to make me happy. But I think that that is, and the fact that I just pulled it again, this is really the message. And this is the upright fool's journey is that when we engage with it, when we say, yes, life is filled with suffering, life is filled with tower moments, we have to allow ourselves to build up a sense of self and then have that be destroyed and then build again and then destroy it again. Like this is what it means to be human. This is the fool's journey. And if we do it well, we allow that suffering to actually take us to a place. I mean, like Buddhism's first principle is life is suffering. But if you follow through, the end result is nirvana. We can reach a place of acceptance, happiness, gratitude, and joy once we learn how to walk through this rather than resist it. I cannot believe you pulled the sun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's, it's so, and you know, my relationship with the sun is I know. Uh, <laughs> complicated. However, I've been working really hard lately on trying to, uh, 
change my relationship with the sun. And um, I feel like I'm going to uh, pull a Luna right now. I feel like I'm, I'm speaking for you because I'm going to talk about Apollo. And I feel like this is kind of where you nerd out, Ooh. but Apollo is like the Greek sun God and, you know, the God of truth and, and healing. And it just makes so much sense for what we're talking about right now, because, you know, I try really hard to now view the sun as this like a uh, life source and we need it oh. in order to survive and we need it in order for things to grow. And, you know, every I, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know, I like to talk about like garden metaphors a lot and like, um, you know, just uh, like actual growth metaphors. And, you know, we've talked a lot about ego death and, you know, for you to bring up the sun is, is really powerful right now because the sun is uh, a requirement for new growth. Yes. (laughs) And I think that's how we should view it is, um, you know, these tower moments happen, we lose a part of ourself or we lose a part of our identity, or we uh, have to release a, a way of thinking that we've been holding on to for so long. But there's also healing and truth that's going to come out of that. And as uncomfortable as it is, it gives us an opportunity to live something new and something different. Thank you so much for listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok under the handle at The Tarot Diagnosis and join us while we pull daily cards and explore tarot and mental health in between podcast episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you have a topic or question that you'd like for us to explore on the podcast, you can contact us directly on our website, www.thetarotdiagnosis.com.